Welcome to the Send Nutrition Podcast, where we discuss horse health, nutrition, training and performance. Welcome everyone to the next installment of the Send Nutrition Podcast. You're with your hosts, Brian and Peter, and we're up to episode nine, and we're gonna talk about today the truth about cool and calm horse feeds, the starch content of the types of grains fed to horses, and also what is a true cool ingredient and what is a true hot or heating ingredient in horse feed. How are you, Peter? Brian, I'm extremely comfortable today in this, in this chair of mine because I think we're going to be here for the next couple of hours. <laughs> it's a controversial topic. It's very controversial. Um, there was a post that, were, that went pretty viral on, on one of the Facebook um, groups um, in regards to cool and calm energy feeds and, and you know what they have and how some are and some aren't. So Brian and I want to probably go through and, and just answer some of the um, some of the questions that we get asked from from obviously from our listeners and a lot of our clients just to try to break through all the jargon and actually you know talk about facts. Yeah, it was it was a well summarized uh, post by Erica Goth from Inside Out Equine Health and. It discussed about the truth on the cool and calm horse feeds in the market and whether that term cool and calm was misleading from the ingredient list. It was very shocking actually the post from maybe you could go through the actual feed numbers that, that were quoted and how many actually had heating ingredients in a cool and calm bag. So Erica has to be applauded with the research that she's done and looking at 53 cool and calm feeds on the market that have those terms in the title. And what she found is every single one of them either had a grain, a grain byproduct, or molasses in them. So they could not be truly termed cool or calm. So it was more sort of on the advertising angle that those companies took to, to basically try to promote a cool and calm feed, but yet the ingredients didn't really reflect that. No, because when you look at the term cool if you're going to have a true cool feed it has to have it has to match the ingredients within that bag and as a rule of thumb for our listeners out there this is a quick check that that anyone can do pretty much at the feed store um, or or even online when a company advertises a cool and calm feed it's crucial that the listeners look at the fiber content okay so a fiber content of 10 percent fiber will never be a cool and calm feed so the barometer that, that our listeners need to look for is at least 20 to 25% to be a cool and calm feed. And that's very easy to spot. You just look at the, at the fiber level on the back of the bag and there's always a percentage that is a protein, fat and fiber. And always check for a minimum 20, ideally 25 and above. So the higher the fiber percentage, the cooler the feed. Yeah, and further to that, a cool feed is easily digested because it's lower in sugar, lower in starch, and it contains slow release energy that won't upset the digestive system. So examples of cool feed ingredients is like your beet pulps, your soybean hulls, your lupin hulls, copper meals, your oils, and omega-3 oil is better than all the other oils on the market due to the profile, and also your low sugar haze. So if a feed has these types of ingredients in them that has a slow release energy, then they sh- can be truly considered as a cool feed. So just one more point onto that, Brian. As we know, horses are vegetarians and obviously you know, they ferment the fiber, um, feed the good bacteria. So fiber is actually a natural prebiotic as we mentioned previously in, in our other podcasts. So it's paramount that our listeners get as much fiber into the horse as possible because there's a lot of natural benefits out of that. 
And you know, before they start reaching out for any you know, cooling and calming feeds or cooling and calming supplements, it's paramount to get the minimum amount of um, fiber and roughage into the diet, which, which will basically offset the need for a, for a calming supplement. Yeah, 100%. So with a hot feed ingredient, if you have a feed bag, you turn it over, it has the grain such as barley, pollard, or meal mix as one of the first ingredients, it can't be considered a cool or calm feed because these are typically energy dense, higher in sugar and starch, and they're low in fiber. So any grain cereals, any grain products, byproducts, or even molasses in a feed, it can't be, the overall profile can't be considered a cool or calm one. And just one note to add there, what Brian just said with those three ingredients that he's mentioned, normally the fibers gonna correlate with the actual mill run and the barley and, and sort of any other grain or grain byproducts. So naturally, the fiber will be low with, with those grain-based ingredients um, and obviously using hulls um, and things like that, the fiber will be very high. So it's easy now to spot the difference. Yeah, and then one of the big questions we got asked out of this post and from our really loyal customers, and that is how does our complete grain-free compare to these all so-called cool and calm feeds? And you could probably call ours a cool feed. Well, it's a complete cool and calm feed because our, our sugar and starch level is, is the lowest in Australia at 2.9%. So it's, it's almost scientifically impossible for a horse to heat up based on, I think it's 33 or 35% fibre that we're at at the moment with such a low sugar level. Um, just to add a little bit, um, we'll go through maybe some of the starch percentages of, of some of the grain products. So as an example, oats is, is around about 45% starch, which is probably the best out of the worst. Corn is extremely bad at 72% starch. Barley roughly at 54% starch. One that I was a bit amazed with was rice bran. So there's a few rice bran products on the market in pelleted form. So rice bran is almost at 19% starch, which is, which is extremely high um, compared to a product like our Complete Grain Free at 2.9%. Yeah, it's higher compared to beet pulp and just your grassy haze in general. Yeah, beet pulp's very good at 1.3%. Um, so that's, that's actually really safe. Um, but hay, hay should be the, you know, the foundation of the diet, as we keep sort of saying. Yeah, when we formulate performance diets for racehorse trainers and other high-level eventing or equestrian and, and show jumping, they ask us what carbohydrate source that they should be uh, incorporating into the diet. And many switch from their corn and barley, which is a higher starch level, to oats. Oats is a, is a great addition, Brian, and also lupins. You know, lupins is only 2% starch with a very good protein level, very good amino acids as well, and it's, it's, a, it's a legume like leucine. So all the amino acids that, that, um, that obviously our listeners could, you know, could benefit from with their horses, um, and it's not that expensive either yeah. to feed. And, and the lupins need to be cracked just to, just to add. People don't need to soak cracked lupins, so that's a bit of a wives' tale. Uh, we've been feeding lupins, cracked lupins for what, four or five years now. We've yeah. never soaked ours once and it's never been a problem. Yeah, and when combined with crushed oats and a good quality oats, because there's a lot of different qualities on the market. It needs to be around, so for anyone looking at feeding oats, look for at least 44 pound per bushel and above. Um, that normally guarantees the, the best quality. Um, some of the feed companies don't like to disclose the, the pound per bushel on, of oats, but if you, if you ask the produce stores or, or anyone who you're getting it from, just ask them for a pound per bushel on, on the oats. 
um, most people will be happy to um, to give that information out. Yeah, so the, the oats and lupin mix, uh, whether you do 50-50 or 70-30, it's a really good source of that fast release energy without overdoing the starch. And if you do overdo the starches in the diet, the small intestine, it can only process within 12 hours less than a kg. So any undigested starch that passes through into the hindgut, this can lead to laminitis, acidosis or colic. and you're just going to develop the, the bad metabolic issues to follow. So just further on to that point, Brian, um, so our listeners really need to check um, that the feed does not contain more than 2.2 kilograms of grain or a, or a grain byproduct in a single feed. So people think that obviously, geez, you know, that's, the horse is a really big animal, but realistically they can only hold 2.2 kilograms, which is not that much. Um, you know, so the stomach and a small intestine basically can only digest the 2.2 kilograms of grain and sugar at, at any one time. And the overflow of the undigested feed, um, you know, that lowers the pH in the colon and cecum, leading to hindgut acidosis, which is a big issue in Australia. Yeah, it's that sugar and starch. If you can keep that profile to a minimum in the diet, you're going to have a healthier horse in the long run. And let's not forget as well, the, um, you know, if we, if we do want to feed less grain, we can also supplement the grain with a product like sen oil, which is fat. So 100 ml of sen oil, roughly 300 to 350 grams of corn. Brian, maybe you can explain it briefly what the benefits of a, of a fat is in a diet. Yeah, so fat, it's not heating, has zero sugar, zero starch, and has the omega-3 anti-inflammatory benefits. With sen oil, you're getting a more concentrated form and stabilized form of omega-3 compared to many of the other oils on the market. And I think also without the insulin spikes and, and lows that you get from grain or grain byproducts, the, you know, the behavior changes in a, in a horse should be sufficient as well, obviously depending how much, um, how much oil the horse is getting or how much grain a horse was getting. Yeah, you can see a good temperament improvement over time as they adapt to using that oil as their energy source when competing. So Brian, obviously we're not going to be bashing grains um, on this podcast like it's, you know, it's the worst thing ever in the world. So there is a need for, for grains um, with certain horses. Um, you know, the current wisdom is that, that all horses should be fed a forage-only diet without any grain. And that is true for a horse that's in a paddock or a horse that's not getting ridden very often. Um, even up to a horse that's, that's in you know, relatively light work, they don't need the grain. Um, but certain horses do. So maybe Brian, do you want to go into maybe in a little bit of depth, which horses do need the, um, the grain and, and, and obviously why? Yeah, so particularly in the performance horse industry, horses in heavy work, the glucose that they get from the grain when they break down the carbohydrates, it's used to fuel all the cells in the horse's body. So without this, the horse will probably not perform at its peak in that heavy work. Balancing those levels and not overloading that grain portion, which is the most important thing, especially with horses and their fermentation. So just to explain it sort of in layman's terms, what Brian's trying to say is that if we can look at a battery, every, horse, um, every time a horse you know, does um, an extreme amount of work, whether it's a, it's a big endurance competition, whether it's a, it's a race for a thoroughbred, that, that battery basically goes down to zero. And then what happens is when we feed the grain, whether it's oats, you know, the glucose um, obviously charges up that battery back to full, um, and and that's where the energy sort of gets um, you know gets put back to normal. So that's pretty much in in, in layman's terms what what Brian just said. Mm. Yeah, and with exercise, 
fat as an energy source, amino acids and glucose, they're all burnt and it depends relatively on the intensity of the exercise and it's influenced to some extent by the diet and the level of fitness and the way they've been trained. So for any of our endurance listeners out there, you know, oats or, or sort of grain is a, is a big no-no in, in that industry. Look, I think that's a, that's a myth. Obviously, you know, you have to space out the grain and it has to be obviously tailored to the event. But it's not a bad thing to, to replenish those glycogen stores that have been emptied with, with, with oats or even lupins or, or both for that matter. Yeah. The bottom line is you want to get really good fiber levels. You want to hit your protein targets. But then with your sugar and starch and your carbohydrate intake, you want to match it to that workload and not overload it. So the best way to check all this is we offer a free diet analysis service and it's on our website and we just step through the questions that we need and we can really guide you to getting that right calorie intake in and then you're going to get better performance out. Brian, there was a study um, in 2014 by ICEP um, which sort of showed um, the need for, for a high intake of calories. Do you want to maybe just go into that and, and just explain to our listeners what the findings were? Yeah, so the, there was a high calorie intake from fat, so 23% of the calories was fat. The horses receiving only 18% of the calories from their sugar and starch, they were unable to replace the glycogen stores after heavy work, while those receiving 36 to 43% did. So Brian, that's a lot of percentages and that's a lot of numbers. What were the actual numbers in, in kilograms to, to replenish those glycogen stores? Yeah, so when they had around four kgs of oats um, in this example. They were, a, and this was along with high quality grass hay, they were able to replenish their glycogen stores. So in this example, it highlights that to lower grain in the full endurance diet will have a detrimental effect because they're not replenishing their, their glycogen stores sufficiently. So they hit the sweet spot at around 36 to 43% of the diet at that point being that and 18% was just too low. And, and the fat levels at around about 23% of calories, that would almost equate to 200 to 300 sort of mil of oil, which is, which is substantial. And it was a study that ICEP did in 2014, which, which obviously confirmed the numbers at, at the 36 and 43. Um, and that's for a 500 kilogram horse too, yeah, for, for our listeners. Yep. So to summarize the podcast overall, what we want people to do is check your feed ingredients, look on the back of the bag or the potential bag that you're buying, make sure that the first couple of ingredients, they are not grain or a grain byproduct because if you are adding grain on top of this, you're just going to throw everything out of balance. So choosing a feed that's not based on grain is going to be healthier for your horse. And just what Brian mentioned, just um, another step forward with that is, you know, forages, hay or pasture should, should make up the foundation of your horse's diet, which is what we sort of preach in, in most of these podcasts. Um, but for many horses, especially those, you know, that are not exercised on a, on a daily basis, um, this is all they require, you know, whether it's a roads grass hay or, or if people are, you know, in an area where, where there's sufficient sort of pasture, um, that, you know, that is all they require. If it is on a hay-only diet, um, it's paramount that um, the listeners feed a comprehensive vitamin and mineral supplement to fill in the gaps. So obviously the hay's been dried out, a lot of the nutrients have disappeared. 
Um, so a product like the CF50, um, which is a concentrate at you know, 100 to 150 grams um, per day, will fill in the gaps of, of, um, of like a rose grass hay. Um, or our listeners could use a grain-free complete product at, at a one kilogram feed rate. You know, horses that, that work or that require more calories, um, you know, this can be achieved by adding something like a cracked lupins, you know, very good protein, as we mentioned, low in starch. Um, a product like a sen oil for extra fat, um, which is obviously very calorie concentrated as well as having omega-3 benefits. Was there anything else, Brian, that you wanted to add? Yeah, so when you see something labelled cool and calm, just get your senses ready a bit, bit more and do a bit more investigation because even going back to the article by Erica, there's many, many feeds on the market that have that label and it's not true to form for the ingredient list. And if you're in any doubt, you can get in contact with Sen and, and we'll help you guide and look through and, and help you balance your full diet because the products that we have, the complete grain-free is truly grain-free. It's a true cool feed. It's a true calm feed. There is no grain, grain byproducts, sugar or molasses through it. And it's the healthiest feed on the market. And I will repeat myself again for, for our listeners out there, when, when, when our listeners are comparing a cool and calm feed, always check for the fiber level. This is the easiest check that anyone can do. It's, it's black and white on every, on every horse feed bag at the back. Look at the fiber level. If, if the fiber level does not you know, show 25, minimum 20, 30, 35%, it's not a true cool and calm feed. So if it's at 10%, don't, you know, don't even bother entertaining a thought of buying it. So one thing we noticed in the industry when consulting trainers and stables was the doubling up of grain or grain byproducts from the hard feed to the grain ration. So Brian, as an example, um, and look, this will happen probably eight out of 10 trainers that, that we talk to, you know, we say, well, you know, out of the grain products, whether it's corn, whether it's barley, whether it's oats, you know, we recommend oats because, you know, they are the best of the worst, that roughly 44% starch and, you know, nine out of 10 times the trainer will go, oh, my horse is tied up on oats, my horse is tied up on oats. And I'll say, well, let's take one step back and say, well, what else was part of the diet that might've contributed to the tying up? Oh, well, oh, I'm feeding corn, I'm, I'm feeding barley, you know, I'm doing a bran mash, you know, I'm feeding a, commercial premix feed at 10%, which is most likely mill run based or so forth. So as our listeners can see, it's not the oats that tied up the horse, it's the other four or five grain or grain byproducts that contributed to the tying up. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to strip back all those other grain and grain byproducts, introduce a product like the grain free complete that, that we have developed, and then you can add your oats or you can add your barley or you can add your lupins. We recommend oats and, and lupins, but if a trainer did want to add corn, at least they have the grain-free in the diet to compensate the starch in the actual diet itself. So it's not 90% starch and 10% fiber, it's, it's more a, an even mix. Yeah, and it was all about educating them with sufficient forage as well and other fiber sources in the diet that aren't high in sugar or high in, high in starch. So once they get their nutrition requirements ticked off then it's up to their training methods and to understand each individual horse what work they can handle per day and to adjust their training to it there's some alarming figures in australia um, with horses well up to 90 percent of horses are considered to have ulcers if not 
do have ulcers and we, Brian and I think that that is purely diet related, majority, obviously stress and other parts are into it as well. But Brian, you wanna briefly go into why such a high starch, high grain, high sugar diet would contribute to ulcers? Yeah, so starchy and sugary feeds, they cause ulcers by stimulating stomach cells to produce more acid and that overproduction of acid, that hurts the unprotected layer in the stomach. And also, when undigested sugar and starch makes its way into the hindgut, there is acid production by bacterial fermentation of the starches, and then that makes that environment more prone to ulcers as well. So you're gonna have both an increased risk of ulcers in the foregut and the hindgut. We'd like to thank everyone for their support with the, with the nine podcasts that we have done. We're getting a lot of comments, a lot of emails, a lot of, a lot of messages, even from, from people um, internationally that they're enjoying what we're doing. And it motivates us to, to create sort of even more sort of content for you guys. Um, so just a big thank you to anyone. We do offer the free diet analysis on our website. There's a few simple questions to fill in and we'll be, you know, it's a, it's a service we provide just to try to keep the horse as healthy as possible. And, and it's not about, selling supplements or, or trying to flog feed. It's just the well-being of the animal needs to come first. Yeah, we want to improve the health of as many horses as we can in Australia by feeding better nutrient profiles and feeding for what nature intended them to, to eat for their physiology. And if you do like these podcasts, just please leave a review, um, comment on them. Um, it, it helps Apple, Spotify, um, anchor yeah anchor puts puts it all in front of people searching for horse related podcasts and if you have any questions please get in contact with us or get in contact us with us through the social media platforms and share them amongst your family and friends obviously education is key and and you know i think the more education people have and the more knowledge people have the more empowered they are and then it's easier to make a decision whether our products are for you or whether another company's products are for you and we know that we can't get every every horse owner using our products but what we try to do is we try to educate and and, and promote good nutrition and and obviously you know that has a flow-on effect to the animal yeah we hope you find these very valuable and we'll be back with another podcast very soon thanks have a great day thank you